A Modern Way to Motherhood and Other Big Decisions on this episode of Get to Know an Average Joe. You just put into Google and then you get 100,000 hits like the bank itself. It's uh, scary and it's goosebumps, but actually I appreciate that this option exists nowadays. Otherwise, I wouldn't have this fantastic little boy that I have now. Our guest today is Bori for short, Borbala for long. Uh, hi. Hello. Tell me about your name. Where does that come from and what does it mean? Yeah, it's a story in itself. My name, my full name is Borbala Seke. Uh, Borbala is Barbara, the Hungarian version. I'm Hungarian. And my family, na- family name is coming from Transylvania, actually. Oh my goodness. Did people think you were a vampire when you were growing up? No, uh, the vampire is um, a Romanian person, but Seke people are indigenous Hungarian people in Transylvania. And actually, uh, my great-great-great-grandfather was a sort of king in Transylvania. He was an elected king. Uh, There was no such a title as king. He was the head of Transylvania. Unfortunately, after three months, he got decapitated in a battle. So I'm actually a princess. Oh my goodness, well, you're actually the second r- member of royalty that I have interviewed on this show, but that's exciting. <laughs> wow. No, it's a bit of a funny note, but yeah, I mean, I have this in the family. Yeah. Did you grow up in Hungary? Yes. And when did you move to Sweden, where we are today? I moved here nine years ago, and uh, I'm actually very grateful that I was born and raised in Hungary in this uh, soft social era, I think uh, I learned to uh, appreciate what I have. So what do you mean? What did, what did you have and, and what, what do you mean by soft social era? I was born in the 70s. It wasn't that harsh by that time as it was in the 50s and 60s. And uh, we didn't have access to everything in life. We had restrictions to travel, we had restrictions to telephone lines, everything you can imagine. So actually now I, I, I appreciate things, I think, much more mm. than, than people who are born with these things. And then when we talk about this current generation and all of the things that are taken for granted, like exactly. having a smartphone as a, yeah. as a young person. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, to have a, just a telephone line was a miracle. And we had to share it with, with, with someone else. It was a so-called twin line. So when he was talking, we couldn't talk. So, yeah, minor things in life like this. Were you a country child or a city child? I was a city child, but I spent quite much time at my grandma in, in the countryside. So I, I, I learned how to, um, how to live with nature, how to appreciate what nature again can provide and can give you and love being outside. So that blends well with the lifestyle here in Sweden. But if we go back nine years to the decision process, what was that process like to decide to leave your home country and live the life of an expat? I have always been interested to see how it, uh, how it works, to, to work in the headquarters of Ericsson. Since I was working at Ericsson in Hungary as well, I was keeping an eye on internal uh, ads. And uh, oh, once it showed up, so I applied. But then 
no answer for several months. So I, I gave up a bit. And then uh, I got a mail from, uh, from a person that I have never heard of that. So already this time I hired someone else, but uh, just keep an eye on the ads. There's going to be another open position. And I was like, oh, how nice diplomatic answer. But then, yeah, there was another opening. So I applied again. No answer again for a long, long time. So I decided that, okay, I want to do something else. So I went to my boss. He was the head of the company, the local CEO. And I handed in my resignation. This was on a Monday after sort of nine months in the whole process. And on Wednesday, I got a mail from Ben de Vries. Would you be available for an interview? Uh, yes, but I'm not an Ericsson employee anymore. Mm, could you do something about it? So I just ran upstairs. I opened the door. Where is the paper I gave you on Monday? Well, it's still in, on my desk. Uh, could you please put it in your drawer for a while? And he was very nice. He was very happy. So I came here on Monday. On Tuesday, I had the, the job. Wow. Those are a couple of fateful days. And when you were on Ben's team, you handled the biggest event that Ericsson participates in. Um, since then, though, you've really changed jobs around Stockholm. So what has that journey been like for you? Hmm. I joined as an event manager, and I was part of the, the team organizing the Mobile World Congress in Barcelona. That was fantastic. I was part of the team in several roles for four or five years in a row. I was also uh, responsible for the leadership summit for the 300 top executives. But then uh, then I became a mother and uh, I decided uh, that, that um, yeah, I have to put my priorities. And since I'm a single mother, I decided not to go back to events because that's long hours and a lot of traveling. So actually, I um, I asked for something that can be managed in yeah in eighty percent sort of and not that much extra stress or burden. Mm -hmm. So that's how I I ended up in marketing operations and now I am in internal communications. Mm -hmm. Can we go back to the decision about motherhood then? Because I I love to find out about processes of of decision making. Your journey to motherhood was not the let's call it the traditional way you made it you made a choice from the beginning that single motherhood was going to be the journey you took can you describe that process it was not exactly like that i was living together with someone but then the relationship uh, ended so we broke up and then i was there at the age of 40 okay so everything is up in the air now what shall i do so I actually sat down and I, I made this balance sheet in my life. What is important? What is it that I want to have after in 30 years? How do I imagine myself at the age of 70? What do I want to do? And then, uh, yeah, I, I decided that, uh, yeah, spending uh, my money on traveling around the world or, or something similar, it's not really me. I want to have grandchildren. And if I want to have grandchildren, I have to have ch children. And since IVF um, would have been the solution for me anyway, due to some, some issues, then that part of the decision was quite easy that I would then go for it by myself. Mm -hmm. Of course, I mean, there were other aspects that I was thinking back and forth. What would, could be the outcome, the, the, the effect, and do I have to drag into someone in a situation that he or she didn't ask for? But then I decided not to think 
that much. I thought that, yeah, these are relevant questions, but they will, they will solve in time. And I trust myself and I, I'm pretty sure I will be able to solve those questions that might come later. So if it's too personal, feel free to say so, but I'm curious, how, how did you pick the sperm to go with your egg? <laughs> it was, it's, um, it's a shocking experience. You just put into Google and then you get 100,000 hits like the bank itself. I clicked on the first one, everything is online. You can filter, you can select based on your criteria and then you, you just put in your shopping cart you pay with the credit card and it gets delivered uh, by exact time to exact location which has to be a clinic and it is smooth so it's like a fantastic industry and I it's uh, scary and it's goosebumps but actually I appreciate that this option exists nowadays otherwise I wouldn't have this fantastic little boy that I have now and I'm curious about his name Abel, yes. yes. Did you pick something biblical, like from the beginning, uh, intentionally, or what's the story behind his name? I wanted to choose something that, when I was still together with my partner, I was once if I get a child, if we get a child, if it's a boy, then this this name could be okay in Hungarian and in Swedish as well. I didn't really think about the biblical biblical story because that's a quite sad story anyway. But Abel is a very traditional name in Hungary and it is very traditional together with my family name. It's very popular in Transylvania. But the interesting stories going in this IVF process is that when it was the second try for me, I, I, I managed, I was quite lucky actually, that when I got a positive result, I took a calendar uh, and actually it was a Hungarian calendar, you know, with the names at the, the bottom so that uh, you know what name. Each day on the calendar has yeah. a name. Thank you. And uh, I went back retrospectively marking the important days in the calendar. And, you know, I marked also the day for embryo transfer. And when I looked down, it was Abel. So it was then a sign from above that, yeah, it's going to be okay and it's going to be a boy. So when I had this checkup uh, with this ultrasound, she she asked me, do you want to know the the gender? And then I said, yeah, it would be nice to have a confirmation. (laughs) Because you already understood. You knew it. Yeah, because I, yeah. So are you a believer in fate? It seems like the timing kind of falls together or or elements come together that that have worked out for you. Yeah, we can go into that. It's a very complex question. I have a very strong belief in in um, in a, in higher power. For the sake of simplicity, we can call it God, but it can be anything. It can be Om. It can be some transcendent. Um, uh, I don't know um, power of the collective uh, subconscious of humankind, whatever. But uh, but I I, I have. Uh, experienced that it exists. I mean, it's my own perception, but I have a, f- a very strong faith in in, uh, in uh, divine um, intervention. intervention or that I'm being taken care of. That's really beautiful. Now to the favorite question uh, for this podcast, and that is what makes a favorite day for you? What elements do you take and you put it together and it becomes a day when you put your head on the pillow and you go that was one of the great ones it's a mixture of uh, work and private 
uh, when I when I put down on the table something as a delivery at work that everybody likes. I have a, a, a good example. I made a year-end uh, uh, video with one of my stakeholders and I managed to convince him to make it a bit out of the ordinary, uh, a bit of fun uh, at the end. And it seems that everybody likes it and it feels really good that finally I managed to shift a bit the ordinary uh, way of how Ericsson is doing things and I got the feedback that we need more of that. And on the private side, I mean, when I have uh, quality time at home, that's very important that we have something as an experience together that uh, can come back from time to time as a memory. Well, thank you. Thank you for this brief look into your life and the big decisions that you've made. Thank you. I'm Dodi Axe. And I look forward to introducing you to yet another new friend next time on this podcast. Odella Shatton, known in our family as Auntie Bella, describes the roots of her tenacity to find answers for bottomless curiosity. Knowing things are very important. My father and I would have what we came to call Talmudic discussions. You know, we could get into the nitty gritty and the encyclopedia would come out and the dictionary would come out and it was very important to be able to state one's case and really dig into the background. That's next time on Get to Know an Average Joe. And now, if you'll excuse me.